0: Hello, good morning, everybody. Morning. You can even sit wherever you find room. Hey, Russell. Okay, so this week is Advent Week 3. And today we're learning about the shepherds a little bit more. So first, though, we're going to review what did we learn the last two weeks. So let's see. We're going to start here.
1: Ago, we learned that God's people were waiting and waiting and waiting for a Savior. Then some prophets came and told them God's plan for sending a baby to be born in Bethlehem.
0: All right, we're going to light the first candle. Macy, can you grab in the middle of the wreath there, yeah. See if you can get it lit and you can pick the first one. And I'll help you if that's a bit tricky. So last week, or two weeks ago, we were learning that God's people were waiting and waiting. And we learned that God's people waited for the promise to come true. So let's say that together. God's people waited for the promise to come true. Like Alistair was saying, they were waiting and waiting and waiting. God, are you going to do what you said you were going to do? All right. And then last week, what did we talk about?
1: Last week, we learned that God sent angels to Mary and Joseph telling them about the baby that Mary was going to have, the
0: the baby named Jesus. Okay, so that was last week. We need to light one more candle, Macy. God sent angels to talk to Mary and Joseph and tell them about this baby that was coming. So while Macy lights that, let's see if we can say this part together. I'll say it, and then we'll all say it together. God's promise came true through Jesus. Let's try together. God's promise came true through Jesus. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so today we're going to start about the shepherds. So let's see what Luke 2, verses 8 to 14.
1: And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor
0: rests. Thanks, Macy. So there was one angel at first who made an announcement to the shepherds who were just minding their business working. And then, after one angel, if that wasn't frightening enough and surprising and amazing, a whole company, that means a huge crowd, a huge group of angels filled the sky and started singing together. I think that was a very memorable day. What do you think? Yeah. Okay, so let's close our eyes for a minute. Good job. Have a little rest maybe what the shepherds are doing, just chilling on the hill. How would you feel if suddenly there's a super bright light and you open your eyes and the whole sky is full of angels and they're talking to you? Yeah, scary, surprising, shocking. You think, am I dreaming? Right? Okay. So we're going to pretend we're angels and so are all the adults in the room. And we are going to see if we remember the first verse of angels we have heard on high. What do you think? Because I don't know if you guys do. Okay. We're going to pretend we're the angels singing. That's where this song has come from, is from that happening. I'm going to need some help out there and try not to pick the wrong key to start. Here we go. We're going to go. angel. I don't know. I was not there. In excelsis Deo, just so you know, means glory to God on high. Sometimes at Christmas we sing older carols and it uses kind of formal language and my kids are like, what are we talking about? Yeah. But it's good because when we use that, it reminds us that people have been celebrating and remembering Jesus' birth way before we got here. It's pretty cool. Okay, let's see. What did the shepherds do after they heard the angels
1: And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
0: We're going to light the last candle for this week. And this is what we're going to say together. I'll tell you first, and then we'll say it together. Ready? Shepherds visited Jesus. God's promise made true. Let's try it together. Shepherds visited Jesus. God's promise made true. How's that third one going on? There we go. That's third Advent. So what is this? Yeah. Pretty tasty. Come in different colors. What does it look like? What shape is this? Bri, I saw your hand first. You got it. Gold star for Bry. It's like a shepherd's staff. A shepherd uses his staff to take care of the sheep and to protect them. So when we see candy canes at Christmas, we can remember that shepherds were the first people to visit baby Jesus. And what else about a candy cane? What if I go like this? What letter is this? Aiden, what letter? You got it. Who in the Christmas story starts with a J? Mm, Kobe? You got it. And Joseph. You're right. You're right. (laughs) So we'll remember Joseph and Jesus. When we look at the candy canes, shepherds are who was told that Jesus had arrived. Pretty cool. And to meet Jesus, whose dad was Joseph. Well, you know, that's a bit complicated, but okay. So we're going to pray together. We hold our hands so we don't get distracted by our neighbors. Close your eyes if you like.
1: Thank you, Jesus, for being born to be our Savior. Thank you for letting shepherds be the first to meet you. Help us to meet you too this Christmas.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Now we're all going to go head to Kid Zone. I'll meet you back there.
2: Thank you, Nikki and Macy and Ember. That was beautiful. I can take it. All right. That was very sweet. I especially enjoyed the prayer there. I don't know about you guys, but I had a bit of a hectic week this week. I was starting to feel like I was getting pulled in many directions. The classic... Christmas as a mom, Christmas as a pastor, Christmas in the military. I had some unexpected uh, expectations start coming up there. And uh, yeah, it was feeling hectic. And then I started reading, reviewing the things we were going to be doing for Sunday. And I was reading through these Advent readings that the kids were going to be doing. And I got to that line, the shepherds visited Jesus, God's promise made true. And I started thinking about making the time to visit Jesus, and it felt like more pressure, making sure that I'm doing Christmas right. What can I share with everyone to inspire you to make sure that we're doing Christmas right? And then, thank God, I ended up reading a newsletter that I get in my inbox uh, every week by Will Willimon, and he is an American theologian, theologian who works at Duke University. Uh, And I love his perspective on things. I find usually when I read his newsletter, um, it tweaks some things that need to be tweaked. And that happened this week. Uh, It was quite the newsletter that he shared. And uh, one of the lines was, he was sharing a, a sermon that he had preached during this Advent season. And he said, none of today's texts are about you. There is nothing in any of today's scriptures for you to think, feel, or do. And he acknowledged that not having something to do makes us uncomfortable because it requires humility. Last week, we had one of our elders, Josh, share with us. And um, he talked about a little bit of this. He talked about needing a savior requires us to humble ourselves to realize that it's not about our own work. It's not that we can become righteous enough. It's not that we can do enough things. It's admitting that we can't do it on our own and that we need help. And as I was reading this newsletter from Willimon and I was considering this and I went back and I was looking at the scriptures that the kids were gonna read and I was looking at the scriptures um, in something called the lectionary I realized that for these shepherds, going to see Jesus was not about doing something, it was about witnessing something. They said, Let's go see what's happened. They visited Jesus because they could. And why could they? Because God had come into the world physically as a human. A savior had been born. They were a people needing a savior. And we are a people needing a savior. But that can make us uncomfortable sometimes. And again in this newsletter, Willeman he calls things out in a way I would never dare to. So that's why I will quote him. He said, relax. Advent doesn't apply to you. Advent is for other people. People who can't save themselves. People who don't even have the boots to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Those who find the political, economic deck stacked against them. People who've got no hope but God. I didn't have that quote up there, but it made me think of these verses. That we have traditionally attributed to Jesus' first coming, people longing for Him to, for a Savior, the Messiah to come, and then for us, longing for what's going to happen when He comes. And those scriptures say things like this With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands, and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. This kind of news is for people who have needs. People who feel parched and thirsty in a world in a life that makes them feel like dust. People who know they cannot save themselves no matter what they try, but people who are also longing for justice. This other, these other verses in Psalms, Psalm 146, also historically applied to the Messiah coming and us thinking about Jesus' second coming. Joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. We are less likely to long for this when our life is pretty good. We're less likely to feel the need for a savior. But in the first century, there were many Jews who were longing for the Messiah who keenly felt the need of a savior and longed for him to arrive. They were feeling oppressed by the Roman occupation and longed for someone to rescue them and bring them freedom. The hope of the Messiah's coming carried them through the dark times. To go back to one of those scriptures that I just read, it says, with those news, strengthen those who have tired hands. Encourage those who have weak knees. Your God is coming. He is coming to save you. The arrival of the Messiah, the Savior, was proof that their needs were seen, that they would be rescued. This is what the shepherds were going to witness. This is what had happened. I read another article this week, and it was in uh, the magazine Christianity Today, and it was talking about Elf on the Shelf. And I don't know if you know what Elf on the Shelf is, but it is something that I don't think it was around that much when I was a kid, but it seems to have exploded in popularity in the last 10 years. I remember it being a thing even when my daughter was just a baby. Um, and it's, it usually comes with this book, so you can buy this book that has this story in it, and it has this little elf. And the elf is supposed to be helping with Santa's work. And so he watches the kids to make sure that they are being good and they are not being bad, and he reports back to Santa to let Santa know so that Santa knows whether the kids deserve presents. And this was a fascinating article that talked about Elf on the Shelf, and then it expanded into studies of religions in that have a God that watches, that sees whether you are doing the right thing. And having that would actually make societies, um, they would tend to work better. They had to worry a little little less about justice because people were like, okay, God is watching. We must be careful. But the reason I loved this article is because then he went to the Bible and he talked about not a God who watches, but a God who sees. And he brings up the story of Hagar. Now, I don't know if you know your Old Testament stories, but there was Abraham, who God said he would make a covenant with, and he did make a covenant with, and Abraham was married to Sarah, and they were fairly elderly. But God promised that Abraham was going to have many descendants, and years went by, And Sarah was not having babies. So she decided to take matters into her own hands and say, here's what we're gonna do. You need descendants, you're not having descendants. We're gonna take my handmaiden and she's gonna carry babies for you. Which, I mean, if HR departments worked back then, there would be serious problems with this. But Hagar became one of Abraham's wives, and she did end up becoming pregnant. When she did become pregnant, Sarah, well, they started having contentious issues, because it says that Hagar started having contempt, because she was like, hey, I was able to do this thing that you couldn't do, I'm going to have a baby, and Sarah was not happy about this, and she ended up treating her horribly. So Hagar ran, ran away, and when she ran away, uh, an angel of the Lord came to her and said, hey, you are going to have lots of dependence. And uh, he told her, um, sorry, I just accidentally pressed the button, so I'm not sure where we are in the back thing. Um, So he told her things about her life. And in response to the angel of the Lord coming to her, she said um, that God saw her, the God who sees me. And I thought that was so powerful, because when you consider these people that had such a need, and then you consider Christ coming into the world, um, the arrival of the Messiah, the Savior, I'm going to see if I can, I should have that written, there you go. (laughs) Sorry, I must have been hitting the button a lot. The arrival of the Messiah, the Savior, was proof that their needs were seen and that they would be rescued. That was what the shepherds were going to witness. A God who comes into the world, who experiences what it is to be human, and does so to enable relationship between God and humans and fix what is broken in the world, that is a God who sees. Not just a God who watches, a God who sees. Sometimes he sees deeper than we do. There is another story uh, in the book of Matthew that talks about John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was in jail and he was hearing what's happening, he actually sent some of his followers to go to Jesus and say, Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Because as I mentioned, they had been feeling oppressed. They had thought their Messiah was going to come and make major political difference. Um... And then they were trying to understand what was happening. So we don't always understand what God is doing. And in response to this question, Jesus said to the messengers, go back and tell John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. What's interesting about this is this is a quote of what I had read before from Isaiah. Um, people who study the Bible say this is very likely a callback that Jesus was quoting this scripture. And I find he was meeting needs. Needs were being seen and they were being met. It wasn't necessarily what the people were expecting, but they were being truly seen. The needs were being met in a way that revealed that Jesus knew what the true needs were. Now, commentators uh, will point out that these lists probably didn't mean only physical needs. When I read the commentary on Isaiah, they say, and they make some very good arguments for there's probably some spiritual stuff that they are also talking about, that God is going to meet those needs as well. But when you look at the way that Jesus was talking, he was talking about real physical things that were being addressed as well. And this is the point where I would love to have everyone get up and share their own stories about needs that have been met, physical or spiritual, because I know many of us have them. And I know I personally have felt seen in some dark times. But not only that, I have felt inspired to see others. I do it terribly imperfectly. I want to improve. But knowing that I have a God who sees, it gives me my north star, my guiding principle. And when I consider Advent, I consider the story of Jesus coming into the world. And I'm called out by theologians by Will Williman who says there's nothing for me to do in those scriptures. I know there's nothing for me to do in those scriptures. It's just something for me to witness and be changed by. The story of Christ coming into the world is the story of a God who sees, a God who acts, a God who is with us. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Maybe you desperately need to know that you aren't alone against the things that you are facing. Maybe you have been without hope and hearing that God is your helper and your hope gives you much joy, like that psalm says. And I would encourage you to not let pride get in your way. We have a tendency to let Pride hinder us from admitting that we need help or to make us feel ashamed of our own needs. And another thing that this theologian said in his email that I felt really called me out is he said, when we can admit our own need, that's as good as it gets. He says, in that potentially redemptive moment, when you held out your empty hands needy unself-consciously as a little child like a beggar like you couldn't go on without being a gift that you couldn't earn well that is what, was as good as it gets in this church you at your most truthful god at god's most redemptive there is a range of needs in the world physical, and spiritual. And I truly believe that God wants to meet them all. We don't need to hide our need from ourselves or from others. Like I said, you may not be feeling the need as much personally this morning. And while there are times that we must acknowledge that we can't do it on our own, that we aren't enough, as I quoted earlier, Advent is for those who can't save themselves, people who don't even have the boots to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, who find the political or economic or just the life deck stacked against them, people who don't have hope but in God. So maybe you haven't been in that dark of a place lately, but maybe you know someone who has. And in that case, You have the same privilege that the shepherds did. The privilege of being a witness. Of sharing what you know because of how you have witnessed his presence in your own life. You can share that they are seen. That there is hope. That God is with us. That is what I have to share this morning, and I would like to close in prayer. And then I would encourage you to um, connect with each other, greet with each other, uh, greet each other, Uh, catch up. God, thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you that you are not just a God who watches, but a God who sees. Thank you that you are God who came into the world physically to be with us, to know us. As we continue in this season of Christmas and of Advent, may we be witnesses. May we not feel like there is something that we need to achieve. May we know that this is just something that we receive. May we feel seen. May we know there is hope. May we know that you are with us. And may our lives spread that to others who may also need to know those things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.